This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's C. Sparky, 5 or 12.50 a.m. The Fan here in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, along with our guys, Dwight Albert, a spare time pro shop operator over there in New Berlin, New Berlin Bowl, uh, and our guy, Phil Brylow. Uh, check him out, uh, $2 Phil, and follow him on Twitter at Bruce City Bowling. And Phil, you were at the PBA Players Championship this last weekend that everybody got to watch the semifinals on FS1 on Saturday and then got to watch... Uh, the championship, a best of five, which ended up only being three games uh, on Big Daddy uh, on Fox, uh, which always is a good thing. Phil termed the, the coin that coined it the Big Daddy Fox last week. I'm just going to roll with it now the rest of the year. Uh, okay, Phil Brilo. So uh, tell me about the energy. Tell me about the excitement level uh, of the fans that were there, the bowlers, and how that whole thing went over the weekend. Yeah, the, the energy level was definitely better than the weekend before. I think on Saturday, definitely having Bill O'Neill in the semifinals really helped a lot. Uh, lots of fan support there. A bigger crowd. They had to bring an extra seating behind uh, the left lane. Uh, everybody could see it was all filled in. Uh, yeah, the, the crowd was great. It was interesting on Saturday with the way the matches turned out. Uh, and yeah, you, you couldn't ask for a better Saturday, I think Sunday, if they could get that one back for the format, mm. I think Tom Clark would definitely uh, do that, but it's tough. It's tough feeling something for two hours. I mean, it's, you know, you get a, you know, a, a race to five, it's an odd number of games and something can happen and you can't run that far over. And if you were going to do the original format with two races to two, then it's convoluted and how are you going to follow it on the scoreboard? So it was kind of a, it was kind of a tough situation for what to do on the finals you don't think somebody's going to get swept at the PBA level, you know, three to three to nothing that very often. If you go back and look, even at the days of, uh, you know, bracket matches, that type of thing, it doesn't happen very often. That's a three, nothing sweep. And unfortunately that's what happened. So, uh, but lots of people talking about Kevin McCune all weekend yeah, long. And, and they should be talking about Kevin McCune. Let's go back and we'll start with the semifinals uh, on Saturday and then move forward from there. But co- quickly, before we do that, can I just say, it was so nice having Rob Stone back. Oh, my mm, God. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. can see Randy Peterson was elated, Dwight. I was elated having Rob Stone back as play-by-play guy. Yes. I have. That's the first thing they said. Rob Stone is back. Yep. Very exciting. <laughs> yes. They just work so good together. Yep. You know, I mean, it, they just feed off each other so well. You know, it's they can funny. tell their buddies. We were watching uh, last night. I recorded it because we went to the Brewers game here in Milwaukee, American Family Field, watch the Brewers beat the Royals. Uh, so I was watching the replay of the Big Daddy broadcast last night. 
So Kay's on her phone, you know, whatever, while I'm watching it. And Rob Stone's just going crazy over stuff. And she's just starts chuckling and laughing. I was like, you like him? She's like, oh, yeah. She's like, yeah. She brings some, he brings some excitement to this. Yes. Where it's, it got her to look up to see what was going on because he was freaking out. And that is what, with all due respect, the rest of these guys that they bring in, they don't necessarily have that no. energy necessarily that Rob has. And yeah. not only does he have the energy, but different from when he started, now he's starting to get the knowledge, Phil. Uh, and now he's really becoming more of a complete play-by-play guy. When he first started, he was a soccer dude coming over trying to figure this out and try to find his way. Now he knows the guys. He knows the ball reps. He knows the players. He has the relationships. Now he's got the knowledge to go along with the entertainment factor, Phil. Well, and it's just a matter of he knows when to just let Randy go. And right. it kind of happened on Saturday a bit with they were talking about when Randy's phone blew up with uh, everybody telling him what they soaked the bowling balls in back in the 70s. I guess. And that was on the Spare Time Bowling Show last week, I believe we talked about that, wasn't it? Bit. Or two weeks ago? Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about yeah. that. And uh, it, it's just kind of funny where uh, I was watching the just the like the 5% of the diehards that have, you know, bowling history that follow it and stuff like that were just couldn't believe that, you know, Rob, they thought Rob was treating it as a joke. And it's like, no, that's just the way Rob is on air. He's just keeping it loose and trying to get more stuff but out. But Rob and, is a normal dude yeah. that didn't grow up in the bowling industry. So when you right. hear some clown is baking a bowling ball in an oven, what did you <laughs> think he was going to do yeah. when Phil told me I thought it was stupid? I mean, <laughs> again, guys, listen. If you're a diehard bowler and you know the history and all of that, yeah, you're like, dude, settle down. It's not a big deal. Right. We all have all known about this. He's not that guy. So this right. is all new information, and it sounds nuts. I promise <laughs> you. If you went to – well, nobody's at the malls anymore. But when they were at the malls, if you went to your local mall and walked around and said, hey, do you bake your bowling ball? they look at you sideways like, what the hell are you talking about? And then soaking right. it. In something that's like illegal, well, now, back then, yeah. they could soak it in whatever. Yeah, of course, he's going to go crazy. And the diehards mm-hmm. need to get over themselves because well, that whole that whole process of what McCune was doing back in the day, you know, that we're talking about 40 years ago or whatever, is yeah. completely crazy now when you think about it. I was kind of surprised that Randy didn't remember it initially and then was getting text messages from he, he, he called out uh, Justin Wyman. Uh, on the on the chemical, and I knew right away it was MEK. Because you're a nerd, right? That's that five percent, right? And Randy isn't. Well, maybe he is, but he's not to your level, right? And they couldn't even pronounce the damn thing, right? Methyl ethyl ketone. What did you say? Methyl ethyl ketone. MEK. You want me to spell it? <laughs> I don't have the can in front of me. I know that they sell it at Menards still. So. Oh my God! Do not go to Menards and buy this <laughs> yeah. crap for your bowling ball people. The, yeah. Right. But the it same five percent, oh, the same five percent of the people that you know complained about the old Rob going on the tangents of it. That's the same five percent of the people that didn't like when how how we roll was on and how they didn't portray. You know, they had Pete Holmes. He didn't have bowling for him and all the other. You know, it's it's, it's the same thing. There's, there's always five percent of the crowd that just seems like they're never going to be happy with how bowling's represented unless it's you know Chris Schenkel era. Right. In mm-hmm. which case, as a bowling industry, you ignore those five percent yeah. then. And they, they, they don't count. Like, I'm sorry to y'all th- that love this and are into it and want it to be the 70s again, but y'all don't count. You're old. We're moving on. Like, you have to adjust and advance and figure out how do you get the younger audience back in? That's the job of the commissioner, Tom Clark. And I think he's trying everything, trying to figure out how to get that next wave of people to follow the sport. How do you get them in? I will say this. I said it last week. I'll say it again. 
if we know anything about young people, they do not want to sit very long and watch anything. Right. They they don't want to watch games. Tension They'll see span. the highlights yeah. on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. They're not trying to sit and watch a three hour game. Right. And they're surely not going to sit and watch two hours of bowling. So while I get down with it, two hours, fine. I, I think it's too long. Like I said before, and I was interested on when McCune swept them, Buttriff on Sunday, I was like, hmm. Okay, so what, what's the plan now? <laughs> so how are we going to fill? I right. figured they had some pre-produced package that right. they were going to run. Right. Then I thought to myself, well, if you run a pre-produced package, what then does that mean for the people that are sitting there that paid that money coming in expecting a two-hour show? Right. So right. are they then screwed and they get to go home early and everybody else gets to watch a half-hour pre-produced package right. or right. 20 minutes or what's the plan? Yep. And the plan was... We were going sports talk right. and we're bringing McCune up and him and Peterson and stone. We're going to have to talk. Phil. Yeah. Phil time and again. Yeah. This is another situation where God bless the fact that you had these two gentlemen with McEwen to stretch this out. Yes. Because people don't understand that when you do TV, it's a lot of it is scripted to a certain degree. You know, your time frame. you have commercials, everything else, and it's all kind of in. What they did was not that because they didn't know if it was going three games or four games or five games, yeah. if they were going to have to talk or not have to talk. Right. So they had no idea. So you couldn't pre-produce a bunch of questions necessarily uh, at, at the end of the day. So this literally was kind of like what, what I did back in the day, which is you sit down in front of a microphone and you go and right. you kind of have an idea or like a post game show after a Bucks game right. or a post game show after the Brewer game, like Tim Allen did yep. the fan for so many years or Gary Ellerson after Packer games. That's, that's what it was. You had yep. to react and then talk to the dude. I don't know. I, I thought they did a nice job. They did. And after the match was over, I looked at my wife and I'm like, Oh, now they have to fill. I'm thinking 15 minutes a game. So now I'm thinking a half hour, they're going to have to fill a half hour. And we've talked about this on the show with the yep. formats and how you can get into trouble with if a bowler sweeps the opponent. It's still better than a roll off with, with two frames. Yeah. Like that's yeah. still dumb. I, I don't yeah. care what y'all say. Right. We watched it again this weekend. It happened again. I hate it. I'll always hate it. Go ahead. Right. And I, I just thought to myself, I looked at my wife and I'm just like, OK, now what do they do? That's going to be the th you know big thing. I thought they handled it great. The only thing I've been dying to talk to Phil about this is I, I would have loved to see them bring Anthony Simonson back in and ask them what the conversation was between him and Tom Clark, because they made it made a big deal out of it. Oh, uh, Peterson talking about Nijitsu when he was talking to the MMA dude or whatever on the side, Simon right. said the MMA dude. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, they were uh, him and uh, Tom Clark were talking and then they show him shaking hands and you could clearly see that Simonson was perturbed about something during the show. I was wondering if Phil caught any of that out there live. I it's, it's so much stuff that <laughs> was going for a few frames. I was on the outside looking in. The only thing I heard a little bit was about how, uh, and Simonson mentioned in the press conference after where they weren't happy that they had another tournament to go bowl in the middle of a tournament, a major. You know, they they all left last Sunday. They went down to Delaware. They had the Roth Holman doubles. And then they had to adjust to two more different conditions and then had to get back to, you know, the four guys had to get back to, to New Jersey to, to bowl the TV finals. And Simon just, he wasn't happy with it. He, you know, you, you bowl all week in a different condition, then you come back and need to readjust. And he just wasn't happy about having to do that. And that was the one part of the conversation I walked in on. And then I just kind of walked away. So this from is it the just thing, guys. Listen, yeah. I, I want to make this very clear. And I don't want to be a jerk to Simonson. And I don't want to be a jerk to the rest of these guys. You don't have an alternative. 
Mm-hmm. You, you don't have an alternative. Right. Right. You don't. I mean, NBA players, you don't like to go play in Europe. You're not going to make as much money. You'll still be make millions. No question. You'll still make a good money. But there's an alternative, right? The World Bowling Tour. Sure. Go ahead. But it's not going to be this. Right. It's not going to be well, the PBA Tour, a, right? Yeah. Th- this is what this is. Major League Baseball. You can go play in Japan, right? There's places you can go. The NFL. There is no alternative. There is nothing. So if you don't like the way Roger Goodell does it, take your little butt and get to stepping. Maybe the XFL will take you. Nobody's going to watch, but I'm sure they'll take you. USFL, five people watching. They'll take you. But it's not the NFL. They are king right now in this industry. There is no competition. Yes. You can cry and complain to your little heart's content. But at the end of the day, whatever Tom Clark decides, that's what's going on, folks. You, okay. you, there, there's nothing else you can do about it. You can get mad and, and throw a temper tantrum or do whatever you want to do. But you're not going anywhere because there's nowhere for you to go. And y'all don't make enough money to pick up and just retire and go, I'm good. See you later. Yes. It, you, right, without right? TV, there's nothing. There's no. absolutely nothing. Nothing. So, I mean, they're stuck. As bowlers, they're stuck. I mean, the only other option is, okay, we're going to form a union. And then we're going to hold out. Okay. Form a union and hold out. Do you know how broke y'all are going to be? Y'all are going to be working at Wendy's right. and hanging out at the different areas in town, giving me a frosty when I come see you because there are going to be nothing else for y'all to do while you're holding out for more money from Tom Clark and the PBA tour. Yes. So they're screwed. At the end of the day, y'all are screwed. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. That's what actually Kyle Troop did before he got to the tour was he was a manager at Wendy's. So. Perfect. <laughs> I know people. We can get them a job. Yeah, but but you go back to the late 90s where some of the guys on tour weren't happy with what's going on, so they had their little touring players association, and they basically sued themselves because back then the PBA was a nonprofit. They all had a piece of the action, and they didn't like some of the rules, so they sued themselves. How well did that work out for them? Because they all, whatever pensions and 401Ks and all that, and all of a sudden, after it was all done, PBA is $5 million in the red, and that's when it got sold to the Microsoft right. guys. I mean, they almost sold themselves, you know, they almost, you know, sued themselves into oblivion that many years ago. And it, until, yeah, none of the challenging programs, you know, nobody's ever tried to start anything against the PBA except the Generations Tour back in the early 2000s, which nobody was the senior guys, that, no. And, no, and that was and that lasted barely a year. Yeah, no. And that went away. So, yeah, it's, it's you got to – you, you want your option? Here it is. Here's the PBA. That's your option. And the other thing that Simonson and the rest of these people have to understand, and we don't know where the TV contract is. I haven't seen anything from mm. the PBA, whether or not there's new deals going to be done with Fox or not. Tom Clark has to figure out how to fill all available slots that Fox gave him. Yes. Period. Yep. One way or the other. If you have to drive <laughs> right. or fly more than you want to, too bad, so sad. Right. If we lose right. Fox... It's not going to be pretty, folks. Right. It's not. If I got to go to CBS Sports Network, oh, buddy, not good. Yep. Bye-bye prize money. Yep. So y'all got to suck it up and figure it out. I, I, you know, I'm sorry. Now, again, if this is McCune complaining, that's a little different. Yeah. He's 24 trying to figure out how to survive with money. Simonson's made money. I mean, it's not like Simonson's broke. The kid, guy's winning majors all the time, winning tournaments. He's not broke. Don't come crying poor to me or whatever. Or, oh, my life's so difficult. I have to bowl on TV this week. And I was in the doubles. I promise you, dude, there are dudes waiting, waiting in the wings. I would say, tell you what, dude, you don't got to be on TV. I'll take your spot on TV. I'll go do doubles. 
I'll come back. I'll do some more TV. Make that check. I'll take that check. Yeah. I'll sacrifice with the car and the airfare and everything else. And if I'm Tom Clark, that's what I'm telling them. Dude, yep. if you don't want to be here, you don't got to be here. I'll find somebody else to take your spot. We'll yep. move on. You got to understand. You have to understand the room that you're in. Yep. And sometimes these guys think they're bigger than they actually are when they're not. Yes. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In his defense, it it is tough to go from one format and one part of the lane condition where he, for double, I I saw a small little uh, smignet on social media um, with him playing uh, fourth arrow swing and then having to go back to the right um, when he gets back over to Jersey uh, for the uh, championship uh, show. Um, I get that, but you were just on that show a week ago and you know, knew what worked then you should have just been able to go right back to what was working a week ago. He, you know, I think he said a little later that the lanes were a little different than the last time that they bowled. But again, like Sparky said, that's your job. You have to figure it out, figure it out fast. And he, he just wasn't able to figure it out. He was making ball choices one shot after another. Well, the, and the, it's they're always different from round to round. I mean, you can have that machine set to, you know, the same thing every time and something either, you know, something a little bit different and what oil is in there or, the temperature of the lane or all that other stuff. It, it doesn't right. take much to send a pattern a little more haywire than it was the round before, or maybe a little easier than it was the round before. It's an, it's not a science. It's an art yes. for lane maintenance. It, in, right. it, as close as you can get, it's never the same round, around, around, around. But these guys are getting paid to make those adjustments. And they, this right. is the other and thing. If I'm Tom it. Clark, because now I'm all fired up when I heard this. This is the other thing. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. We'll go back to World Series of Bowling. Out at South Point, where Dwight just was, Vegas right. story's coming. Stay tuned. <laughs> so we'll go back and we'll record six TV shows, eight TV shows, whatever. And then you can sit at home and watch them on TV, have all the spare time that you want, pun intended, uh, all you want right at the end of the day and not make nearly as much money because TD revenue is not going to be there. We're not going to be on live Fox anymore. We're going to be going against the NFL on ESPN again. We'll go back to doing it the way it was. So you're not inconvenienced, Anthony, to go back and forth. Like I would have lost my damn mind. Had anybody on that tour came at me complaining about Paul, oh, the lane conditions I have to adjust to between here and there. I got to go back and forth. When you're the dude on TV, one of the best dudes making the most money, and you're co- get out of here, man. Just right. get to stepping. Like I, I don't got time for this. Like I got to figure out how I'm gonna promo Kevin McCune for the next week to right. get word out about him. It, I don't know. That's just that that stuff. I, Tom Clark is a saint because I wouldn't have the patience to deal with it. I wouldn't yep. like. 
understand who the hell you are and where you are and move on. You are not Tom Brady, dude. You are not Giannis. Nobody gives a damn <laughs> what y'all think at this point. Right. You are not at that level. You are great in the sport. Yes. Are you going to be a Hall of Famer in the sport? Yes. You're going to be a Hall of Famer mm-hmm. in the sport of bowling. But we are not at their level right. for me to have to listen to this. Like That's just not what it is. We're still trying to ascend and climb to relevance at this point. Yeah, That's what Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. All right, let's get to uh, semifinals. Sorry, y'all. That was uh, 18 <laughs> minutes without reading any scores. Last week, we didn't read any scores. scores. Oh, we're ahead of the game. Uh, and again, if you're just tuning in, you can download the Spare Time Bowling Show uh, right there on your Odyssey app or anywhere you download your favorite podcast at. And, of course, from time to time, I'll throw up uh, some of these on the YouTube Odyssey Sports page where we are currently streaming live, as well as on the 1250 Twitter account, as well as at Sparky Radio. Twitter account as well. Okay, so semifinals. Uh, these were uh, Saturday, and this is how it all went. McCune gets Simonson. We were just talking about Anthony Simonson, uh, and McCune does his deal: two twenty-seven to one seventy-one, two twenty-five to one ninety-six. Now, clearly, that is part of the reason why Simonson was not happy. Of course, right? if Simonson beats McCune both games and he's there, yes, probably not complaining. <laughs> probably not that big of a deal. I'm right. fine. If he wins it, I bet you never even brings it up to Tom that he had to go through this whole oh, rigmarole, yeah. right? Shh, be quiet. It's fine. <laughs> Shh. But because he loses, now it's a big damn deal because he lost to McEwen. Right. Listen, y'all, it's nothing to be embarrassed by. He slayed both Tackett brothers. McEwen did. Yes. The previous week, and he slayed both of them, right? Yeah. And now he slayed you. The dude was on it. And as they pointed out on the broadcast, Phil, he kind of, I don't want to say he got lucky, but to a degree, the guys who were bowling, none of them were yeah, really they, bowling all that well. Yeah, they gave him a gift. Right. Well, yeah. and, and he took advantage of it, and that's what you're supposed to do, Phil. Absolutely. I mean, if you're getting away, if you're just sitting there throwing two teens and two 20s, and you, why change the game plan? He just didn't make mistakes. He kept himself out of making the huge mistake in, in 95% of the cases. And that was the key to winning. All of a sudden, somebody, he let somebody else make the mistake, and he just stayed cool, calm, collected, and just kept filling frames. And that was the huge difference in every single game he had on TV. He didn't make that mental error that the other guys were seemed to make at the wrong time. Go ahead. Dwight. Randy was 100% correct. He was never pushed any right. of his matches. I think if I remember all of them, I think only Zach Tackett in the first second game of the first match push, pushed him a little bit. Um, but of course he came out victorious on that one, but all the other matches were handed to him. You know, yeah. the other thing that I, I really enjoyed, we talked about it last week as far as how hard he throws that ball. Right? Yeah. So yeah. he's, he's throwing it when he's 20, going 22, 23. Yeah. Uh, and then when he won on Sunday, he just whipped the ball down there. <laughs> 29 got to tw- over 29, trying yeah. to get the 30. Um, <laughs> holy crap. I mean, you don't even understand how hard that is to do. Yeah. Uh, but what I found interesting was last weekend there was talk of him wanting to try and figure out how to slow it down. He did bring it down a little bit at the start of Sunday. He brought it down to like 21, I want to say. He was under 21. But then as the day went on, he started getting a thing maybe a little bit more amp. Adrenaline. And it went back up to over 22 again yeah. as we were watching the show. When you're throwing it that hard, even with all the rev rate he has, Phil, it's taking away the ability for the ball to react maybe like you wanted to because you're throwing it so hard. Well, that's what surface and the balls for. I mean, they made sure when he was talking to his ball reps, you know, he made sure he had a couple of options going in. And especially in this case on the left lane, because he kept moving. He had a couple of the same bowling balls drilled, 
but a little different surfaces. And that way, when one ball was going to make the corner too hard, he could go to the other one. And you saw at the end of the second game, that's what that's the choice they made when all of a sudden they're handing him another bowling ball. Right. He's trying to, he, he was he was always thinking that that step ahead, and it, every step ahead he had was planned correctly. Uh, did Simonson have that? Not really. It didn't look like it on Saturday, and we can get into Buttruff later, but it definitely looked like Buttruff had that game plan to get into that next level Sunday uh, with, with the equipment when he's making the changes. So sometimes on that right lane, it was easier for McCune to just pick up the speed, as you said. All of a sudden, okay, instead of bumping left like you see, pick the speed up. Keep on the same line, pick the speed up. And to be able to make those adjustments under the TV lights for a hundred grand and a major title just goes to show, I mean, basically the balls that get, that kid's got. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's phenomenal to, to make that type of change on TV and be confident in it and then execute on top of it. And then there's Jacob Butcher. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've had, we had Chuck Gardner on, who's a longtime ball rep for Brunswick for all those years. And we brought up, you can go back and listen to the podcast. It was a great podcast with Chuck Gardner a couple yes. months ago, whatever it was. Yep. Uh, and he talked about, you know, sometimes maybe the ball rep or the, the ball company will push you to use a different ball on TV that they want to see or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, you and your bowler are trying to win a damn championship, yep. right? That You have to make the best decision of how to win. Everybody and their mama is using purple hammers. I get it. But as you saw in that semifinal, dude, it was not working. And he went six frames, whatever it was, seven frames, before he finally changed that reactive resin. Yes. And then you come back Sunday and here it is again. I'm like, we're going to do this again. And the lane, the, the lane surface obviously was different and the, it was reacting differently. And when we get to Sunday, that was screwing him up, obviously, somewhat. I'll be honest. I don't think I would have went back to the purple hammer on Sunday after it was a struggle for me on Saturday. Right. Personally. That's me personally. Yeah. And he talked about Saturday after he beat Bill O'Neill that, well, they had a game plan. It wasn't working. So then they switched, right? Him and the ball rep. I'm curious. Like when we're watching it on TV, we see it's not working. Right. So as a ball rep, I'll go to Dwight first on this. Is it almost like a coach where you get to be so stubborn of, I know this is going to work. I know this is work. We're going to continue to do it until I know I'm right. And you just don't want to admit that maybe we screwed this up and we need to make a, a, a ball change here. I don't, I, that's what I don't understand when yeah. Peterson and Rob Stone clearly see there's an issue on Sunday. We all know there's an issue and they don't make that change. And on Saturday, you could tell after two, two times on that left lane that he was having issues and they're going to need to do something. And they went back to that. Well, again, I don't know. I don't get why they wait so long. Right. Well, it, it could have been a totally different outcome if he didn't trip that uh, six pin against O'Neill. O'Neill could have possibly stood up and then struck out. And O'Neal it would have been just rolled his eyes and looked up. Oh, like, You've got yeah. to be kidding me. That's how right. I lose. Yeah. Right. But getting back to Sunday, um, yes, they they picked up on it. And Brandy did make a comment that Parker Bone came in and tried to give him some advice about being able to get the ball farther to the left through the heads. Um, but yeah, I mean, he and Randy picked up on it again and he was 100% correct. He never moved zone. Randy kept talking about the zone uh, strike track. 
back, he said, um, showed that Butroff only moved one board to the right. Uh, that that's not enough. You know, I mean, if obviously you don't have a look, you better either change equipment, go to something that's not hooking early enough or move a zone and a zone is three, four five boards. And he did not do that. And uh, I don't know. I even had a customer tweet me and said, how stupid is he that he doesn't move? And he's, he thinks it's going to come to him and work out. Well, wait a second. Time out. Time yeah. out. I saw that. I right. saw your Twitter exchange with whoever that was, Chris. Yeah, Th- this is my thing. I, Maybe he told the ball rep to hell with you. I'm doing it my way. And if he did that, well, then, yeah, okay, fine. I agree with you. Then that wasn't very smart. But if the ball reps are saying, dude, you got to go. Like, we got to move. This is going to work. And if he fought them on it, well, then he's got nobody to blame but himself. But if the ball reps themselves weren't telling him to move, then it wasn't just him. If they were both or however many ball guys he had, he had two guys, right? It wasn't part of yeah. the ball one of them. And he had yeah. somebody Danny else. Danny Castillo. Right. Daniel so Castillo. Th- yeah. they, they were both there talking to him. If those guys didn't tell him to move and he didn't think of moving, then all three of them are to blame at the end of the day. Right, Phil? I mean, it's not just him. The ball reps themselves didn't have a move. Oh, no. They had, they, during that first commercial break, Butcher came over and I talked to Dino during the break and he said, yeah, they knew that he had to make a ball change and move a little bit right in order to get the ball to pick up correctly. And that's the hard part sometimes on TV. Everybody's, you know, there, there were six purple hammers on that rack between yep. the two guys. It was McCune was joking around before the show on set. He goes, I can't believe I have more purple hammers here than Jacob, <laughs> you know, it, but it was the truth. And it's just sometimes, you know, you can, Jacob could make that ball change, but it was tough for Randy to pick up and Rob to pick up, which, which purple hammer is he using? Unless you were right on top of that ball. You didn't know. And so it wasn't, it wasn't the ball rep that, you know, told him, Hey, stay in the ball or don't move. I mean, they had that talk during their first commercial break. It's just, he had air. And then it took him a while after that to just, Okay, I can't move anymore. It's got to be moving back to reactive resin. And then the, the move finally got made. So you were there, you were watching. Yeah. Versus us on TV. Obviously, yeah. I watched mine off the DVR. Right. Yeah, me too. So as, yeah. as you're watching it live, are you thinking to yourself, dude, he's got to move? Like, what is he doing? Like, is it going through your head as you're watching him? thinking he needs to be moving quicker than he was moving because even Buttriff, and I know we said we're going to talk about Saturday, Buttriff beat O'Neill two games to one. O'Neill 239, 175 over Buttriff. And then Buttriff came back through the, what, what was it? The first seven, seven, I think it was yeah. uh, the next, the next game and looked like a completely different bowler. Uh, right. Beats O'Neill 264 to 256. I mean, O'Neill was in that thing to what the seventh or eighth frame. Yes. He was right there. He had yeah. one he spare good. and he yeah. had the rest he were good. strikes. He was hanging with them. I was like, Oh my God. If Buttress loses, loses this to go home, that's crazy. But he wins 264 to 256. Then the stupid roll off. Uh, and Buttriff allows O'Neill to go first, says he can go first. And then he throws spare. And then at that point, Buttriff goes, well, okay, if I throw the next three strikes, it's over. Uh, and that's pretty much what he did. And it was done. And he advances to Sunday. Now, now that we're at Sunday there, we, we sped through Saturday. <laughs> D- this, is, this is the thing. If you, Phil, are sitting there watching and going, man, he needs to move and go quick. And then you hear Buttriff after the show say they were changing faster than I was moving. Pretty much, I couldn't keep up with how as fast as the lanes were changing. I disagree. You disagree. I disagree. Okay, go. He didn't move. They were changing faster than his adjustments. Then his adjustments were micro small. So I never saw. I agree with Randy. I never saw him try anything uh, different than what he did on from Saturday's show. Um, a, a little move here, a little move there. Uh, again, that's the nice thing with strike track. It shows you if he did or he didn't. Right. Yeah. Well, the numbers prove it. But you got to remember changing with your thing too. So much of the ball motion change is in the front 15, 20 feet of the lane because that ball Correct. 
starts to roll in the oil because of the surf, you know, because of the surface. And so strike tracks may not necessarily pick up how that change in axis rotation is happening all on top of that too. So if he's finally early friction, that ball's burning out. It doesn't show as much on the back end of the lane as, as it would on the front. And that's where the ball reps got, are keeping an eye on watching the ball motion, because if it's not doing what it's supposed to in the front part of the lane, there's going to be obviously air in the back part of the lane. So what and about I this? I think that's part of the problem. What about this? I, this is, I think this is a fair question for people that have never bowled on TV. I've never bowled on TV. Mm-hmm. When do you take the big swing to make the big move? You want to move five, six boards. What you're on TV. This is a championship match. We're we're playing best of five. So how when does he move? Because at some point it's got to be kind of like an NBA coach, right? Where okay, I'm down 25 with eight minutes to go. Starters out, we're done. I'm playing my bench. Probably not eight minutes to go, say with three minutes to go. All right, in comes the bench. We give up. White flag. Because if you're gonna take that swing and move that many boards, you're pretty much saying. If this doesn't work, this could be ugly, and I'm pretty much giving up on this match. So, that, to me, that's a big gamble. Or you play it the way he played it and hope you can be just good enough to stay in this thing to the end. He would, you would, he would, would have done what Anthony Simonson did when you are numerically out of the match is when you start experimenting. So, if that's the seventh frame or eighth frame, whatever the case may be, you start going to different looks and different balls to try to get it lined up for the next game based off of that format. How they, what the format they right. had, but look yeah. at the scores. I mean, it was two hundred six to one seventy eight. So what? Right. He probably was out of that without looking at the box. Probably like seventh or eighth frame, right. something because he like had that. Opens in the second, eighth fourth, frame. and sixth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So right after that sixth, he could have said, "Okay, I'm done. Right. I got to start getting ready for the next exactly. match and take those big swing moves and start dramatically making those moves, and, mo- moving your feet." Right. When the fans at home, like Chris, can see it on TV and you know Chris doesn't know all those adjustments he's just a fan at home right. watching the show uh, mm-hmm. when they can pick that up it, it's then pretty obvious yeah that's crazy so well, one, th- one thing you guys got to remember too is that before they went on air yesterday they got eight shots total on a fresh application they get a half hour before and then yep. they re-oil for the show and they get eight shots so let's just assume they split in half four and four yeah, they That's can do it the, wherever they want. He could have right. done eight on the right lane or eight on the left lane. He can pick where he wants to do it. Peterson explained that on the broadcast. Right. But these guys, in order to how they're getting the game plan, especially how they want to develop the lane for themselves, because they each right. have their own side. There's right. nothing there. So both guys kind of approach that first game as if I lose it, I lose it, but I can make sure I'm setting up the lane my way. Talking right. with Jason Wojnar from Brunswick, one of the ball reps, he's like, these guys aren't going to see anything develop in the pattern until almost the end of game one because it's just them on the lanes developing it. It's not like the other shows where everybody's out there and you get a full game in and then you come on and you make the adjustments and then the top seed gets 10 shots. You know, it, it's, it's not all that where it's burned in already. It's fresh, and they're trying to develop it to make it good for the rest of the way. They knew it was a marathon, not a sprint. I kept hearing that out of the booth every time I'd walk yeah. near it. Uh, and that's what they were planning on. They were planning for the marathon, but Butcher's game plan by the time it got to see that, hey, we're at mile 10, uh, my pace is off, and I need to make a big change in order to get into the finish line, and it just never happened for Butchers from there. So everything that that McCune did to develop his shot stayed and worked, and that's that's the big key right there is because of the format, they treated how – they were approaching that match and developing the lane pattern on their side of the lane differently. This is the other thing. We talked about this for years with Rash, right? Mm-hmm. So the mental part of the game is so big. 
right? If you're right yes. mentally, it's huge. And when you do your half hour sports talk post game show on Big Daddy Fox after this thing was done in three matches and McCune's up there talking and he was just being honest. It was like hmm, halfway through the second game. I knew I had it because right. he looked lost. And mm-hmm. not only did he look lost, he looked like he couldn't figure it out. He was trying different balls and it wasn't working. And at that point, I was like, hmm, I, I got a good I, chance. I pretty much got I, this. Right. It's I, over. I, I, and if if McEwen could read on Buttriff that he was that confused and could see that he was that confused and couldn't figure it out, imagine what was going through Buttriff's brain at that point. Panic. Right. If your opponent can tell you're lost, then you really. And, and once you get to that point, to pull yourself out of that, that's tough, Phil. Buttriff walked offset at the end of game two, and he walked offset, and he went down to the practice pairs, and he just went and he put his head in his hands, and he oh my you could god, just tell oh right there god. he knew being down two nothing with air, it was going to take a miracle to come back and win this thing, and he he was facing that fact at that point, and he had. His his old coach Jordan Jordan Asper, who who coaches at Arizona State University, uh, down there trying to help him out and that kind of thing, trying to just right the mental side of the ship. And you could tell when Buttrick got on the, back on the set, it was just was I need to win everything, and that is a huge position to try to get yourself out of. As soon and as he, he put his head in his he hands, it was over. Yeah, yes. he, and then the shot you know. in the sixth frame coming out of the commercial break where. You know, you just kind of grab the ball and, and you kind of do what you can and go through the motions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he knew at that point in time, halfway through the third game, it was going to take a miracle. It would have been a, a Michael Hogan, Chris Barnes kind of thing. 50 pins. You know, that would have been one of those miracles that happened once every 25 years. And it, it, it didn't happen. And McCune made sure it didn't happen. Michael Hogan. I forgot about that match. That was mm. crazy. Yeah. Oh, OK, so let's talk about McCune for a second. Right? Yeah. Right. So McCune is. You know, legacy type bowler, his dad bowled Eugene McCune, and then his grandpa, uh, and all of that. Okay, fine. So after the match is done, he says, I want up my dad because his dad never won a major. He's got a major. He's 24. More to right. come, more than likely. Right. Right. We'll see. He's going to be known as, you know, Nuke or whatever Nuke. his nickname I is. Love right? that. Well, of course you do because he right. throws it harder than anybody that I, we've I, seen. I thought of Bull Durham also. Yeah, it's like Bull Durham. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. So his nickname is Nuke. Now, hey, man, that's got some marketing. <laughs> stuff oh with it. it sure does if he gets going and can be really successful you got something there right he's got a personality he seems overly honest big mm-hmm. fan of that as a media guy like yep. please stay that way don't change so yeah. that's good uh I-, I like all of that how good do we think he might be well that's the thing i kept thinking after tom clark made the comment a star is born yeah oh I- my god i he said that right and i cringed i went ee. right and then she went, Kimberly Preston went, oh, couldn't have said it any better, Tom. I was like, oh, I could have said it better. Like that, to me, and again, I'm over the top analyzing media guy, right? Right, right. I right. don't like that. I don't like being well, labeled after one, you do one thing. Right. You're the next Michael Jordan. Right. You you did. Oh, no, no please don't pressure. put that on <laughs> right. me. Please do not put that on me. Right. I mean, his dad was, okay, he was decent. Yeah. You want a star. I mean, at 24 to say, dude, you're going to be our guy. I mean, God bless him if he is. If Clark's right and he is the next guy that they're going to roll with, God bless him. I mean, if he knows, he knows. But that that's some pressure when you say a star is born. That's that's 
instantly my mind went to Phil Bryle. And my, and my thought was, Aww, right. Oh, you think Phil's a star? <laughs> I think he's a star. Oh, yes, we a know he's a star. star. Yeah, the, local the comment, he glows when he walks around. <laughs> <laughs> the comment I wanted to make, though, was that Phil has seen him out there for many years and would be the first one to know if he is a you know a new star on on the i mean he, he's paying his dues for now a year or two i would think phil right well i saw him win his first regional last year in iowa did a live stream uh, in conjunction with the pba and you could just tell that what he got through to, to win that first regional title uh he was he was going to do well runner he, he knew he was runner it was just coming off the runner-up finish for the uh for the rookie of the year in 2022 that santu got and you can just tell he kind of forced the drive a little bit more. And then he goes out and he gets his first regional title. He wins the rookie of the year on the regional tour for the Midwest. And he's just kept working, but he doesn't take himself too seriously while he does it. And I think that's the key because he's not burning himself out. Santu's kind of the same way. You, you mm-hmm. see Santu's personality. And it's very lighthearted mm-hmm. when he's off the lanes and he's not worried about too many things that happened that round before if it was a bad round sure you analyze it you learn from it you move on um i i honestly think that those two santu and and mccune uh are going to be the ones to watch in the next four or five years as guys like ej and belmo get older obviously with simo still being 26 he's in the prime of his physical career and uh yeah, the whole talking to Randy after it was done. He used he, Randy used the term superstar too. He could be the next superstar, and it's just the way that it's it's not how they develop their physical game. It's about as good as they're both going to get. I mean, they still obviously work on things. We saw McCune throw a two-handed shot. They showed yep. that. Uh, did they show it on the Fox Show on yeah, the telecast did. on, on yep. Saturday? You know, he's working on things like that in case it ever gets to that point where all of a sudden he needs a change in axis rotation or something like that. Uh, but it, it, it's the mental outlook that these two guys have that I think are going to give them the superstar potential. The other the thing we have to touch on this whole baseball help me thing with McCune mm-hmm. found very interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- listen, I, I don't know if Big Daddy Fox liked mm-hmm. that half hour. I loved it mm-hmm. because he just kept talking and like you really got to get inside his brain. Talking about, you know, when he was in high school, he came in, bases loaded, uh, one-run game or whatever the case may be, uh, nobody out. He came in as a pitcher, uh, gave up a run, got out of it. They were tied at one. They go on to win the game 2-1. He closes it down at the end and just talked about, and now he said that game was on TV. He goes, I've had TV experience. I've been in high-pressure situations. Yep. This is no different. I've been through it. I'm ready for this. I, I don't get nervous because I've been in it. That type of stuff there. In providing he's telling us the truth, yeah. that's that's big. We talk about the mental side. If he's saying, you're not going to shake me. I, I've been through this. I got it. That is a big advantage you have over your competitors who aren't used to maybe to this type of stuff. I don't know if Phil saw it on TV, but they interviewed Eugene McCune and about his son um, during the matches. I fast forwarded through that. Okay. I'm sorry. What and and that, and that is exactly what he said is that that baseball game got him prepared and got him ready. Eugene made it almost sound like that baseball game was more pressure than what he's currently at on, on TV bowling. That's a somebody, somebody asked Eugene at the press conference uh, about his memories being in bowling alleys as a kid with his dad and his grandpa. He's like, yeah, I was there, but it was all baseball for me back then. 
If it wouldn't have been for, for an arm injury, we might not have ever seen Kevin McCune on the lanes on the PBA tour. Yeah, he was a catcher, then went to pitcher. Pitching, yeah. So if it wasn't for that, yeah, that arm injury, I mean, most of the stuff when he was growing up. And when you're on the mound in the state championship game and all eyes are on you, you don't get to talk to your coach between it. You don't get to talk to your coach between every shot. But there's you're, more pressure because – Ball because, rep. With, right, but there's more pressure because it's a team. Yep. You understand? Yeah. I mean, it's different when – all your peers who you go to school with are looking at you like, don't blow this, dude. All right. This is a big don't blow this. Yeah. There's a lot more pressure on a field goal kicker to go hit that shot. Yep. If he misses, he disappoints everybody on his team, yep. all the fans, media in the local markets talking about missing that kick. There's so much more pressure in a team sport. In a local yep. sport, if you miss or you screw up, yeah, your ball reps are disappointed. Yep. And you feel the worst, but that's it. That's yep. the end of it. That, that, that's where it stops. There's far less people affected if in, in an individual sport if you jack it up than if you jack it up in a team sport. Right, Phil? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and one of the things, you know, I, I kind of talked on Twitter the other day about this old bowler, John O'Drobnik, that kind of had the, you know, beat the, you know, beat the legends to win his first PBA title. Now McCune's kind of done the same thing. Uh, look at Earl Anthony back in the day. If Earl Anthony wouldn't have had an injury, he was a baseball pitcher. He was pitching minor league baseball and if he wouldn't have had an arm injury he would never start taking bowling so seriously and gotten out on the pba tour it's kind of ironic how these little things in, in the past of the pba cross once again thanks to kevin McCune. so and, you've, you've learned the lesson yeah. instead of bowling as a youth play little league baseball and eventually you'll end up on the pba tour if you just go the route of baseball and then you know dabble <laughs> in bay and, ba- and bowling on the oh. side right but that baseball and the bowling correlation maybe there's something to it Dwight. Absolutely. It prepares. That's the biggest word that I thought of right away is after that story, it prepared him for the tour, mm-hmm. uh, that baseball um, setting. Yep. So sometimes you need that as an athlete. Um, I didn't think he looked nervous at all on any of the shows. I agree. Um, and, and Randy uh, also made a comment. Yeah, you know, usually the first time on TV or insides are coming out of your outsides or whatever the comment always is. And he looked calm, cool, collected, like no big deal. I, you know, I'm comfortable here. I'm ready for this type of deal. And so that mental attitude goes a long, long way to your success. Again, so 90% bad. mental, 10% physical type of deal. The so, way so that bad. McCune can switch from as soon as he's off the lanes, jovial and just the relaxed personality and stuff like that. And then once he knows that 25-second shot clock comes on and it's just and it's just all business. Changes. It, it's, it's amazing how he's developed that so young and hmm. developed it well. Yeah, if he stay, if he doesn't lose that type of thing, he's gonna be uh, just an absolute force to reckon with. I love it. All right, uh, so we got Super Slam next weekend, Phil. What, what's going on with the PBA and Super Slam? Well, we got our five major winners. We have four of them, and then with uh, Jacob Butcher making it because the other three major winners were all ahead of him at the World Championship. So Butcher gets a slide in on the wild card exemption for that. Uh, it's an interesting format next week. I mean. They, they win their titles. They bowl a lot of games and win those majors. But now they get to the Super Slam, and they're going to do just a draw out of the hat. Who's going to bowl first through fifth? Each guy's going to bowl one game by themselves. On, on TV. TV? On TV. And that game score from the one game they're bowling on Saturday is how they're going to be seated for the stepladder on Sunday. So somebody could bowl two games next weekend and win a hundred grand. Oof. Yeah. What do you think of that format, though, Sparky, by themselves? No well, competition. I, I, I don't mind that. It's like my, practice. My question is, 
what are we doing to make it more entertaining? Right. That to yep. me, as a fan, watching one dude bowl by himself, that can be all that entertaining. So what are we going to do to make it more entertaining? Are we going to let a couple of these other bowlers be mic'd up and talked about what they're seeing in the lane conditions Great and so idea. forth, knowing that they're going to eventually have to bowl after this person? I'm assuming they're not redoing the lanes no. in between each guy, right? No. So the last guy is going to be at a distinct disadvantage Possibly. having to go out there and bowl after all these other guys have torn up the oil. The first guy is at the advantage because he gets fresh oil and gets to kind of make his pathway to a certain degree, I would think, going forward, right? I would think more the middle guy. Would the middle have- guy, really? Well, because, again, Phil just talked about it, letting the pattern develop. So that first guy is going to set the tone for pattern development. So the middle guy is not going to get that early pattern development, and he's not going to get then the deterioration from the guys before him. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of it's going to be on, once again, the oiling procedure for the practice before the show, and then if they're going to re-oil right before the show starts and what practice is it going to be just the one guy coming out on the fresh, getting his eight shots, and then going, and then – Next guy gets HS in a commercial break, or they're going to let all five guys bowl for 10 minutes or 15 minutes before the TV show starts. Don't know what that practice session is. That's going to have a lot to do with it as well on how those lanes develop and who's going to maybe have a little bit more of an advantage than another person. I wouldn't. Uh, to me, you practice before you bowl. That's it. It's yeah. on, the, on the TV set. You can go down the lanes and go practice all you want. Right. I don't care off camera. Right. But on the TV pair, the only person throwing warm-up shots is the guy bowling that game. That's yeah. it. Because you're just going to screw up the lanes for everybody right. else. If I got all these guys throwing warm up shots before every game, like that's no, you yeah. bowl week, you're bowling game one, you get the warm up shots. You're bowling game two, then that's when you get your warm up shots. And the guy bowling last gets his before that last game. But again, how do you make it entertaining so it doesn't become monotonous and boring for no. somebody watching at home, watching one dude bowl by himself? There has to be something to keep this entertaining. And that one thing well, in, in my eyes has to be Rob Stone and Randy on the call. Well, obviously they're going to be on the call, but the question is, what else am I going to do? I'm kind of hoping that it they, they mic up a ball rep too. Right. Fine. I mean, for guys sure. like, I mean, Dwight should be begging for that right now. I mean, wire Give up me a some of that. Yes. Right. So wire up, wire up Dino Castillo from Brunswick or, or wire up Brett Spangler from Motive. Uh, I know Saturday, I, there was something going on Saturday because Kimberly went to go talk to the Stormball reps and they didn't talk to her. Uh, so there's something going on. With so yeah, whatever. Something going on but with that's a great guys, idea. Yeah. You let every ball rep from a company have a game. Storm right. gets first game. Right. Motor their players. Game, right. Everybody right. get every ball rep gets one game to go on TV with Stone and Peterson for a game. Right. Yeah. That, that's fine. Then everybody gets equal exposure for their product, for their company, the whole deal. Let them all have a game. And hopefully that becomes entertaining. I like having the bowler idea. Uh, as well, I like that. You bowl game yes. one, you get to talk on game two. You bowl game right. two, you talk on game three. What did you right? see? Right. You know, and if you're the five guy, right. you don't get to talk at the end. So maybe you talk during game one. <laughs> you got a long ways to wait. You might as well sit there and you talk maybe on game one. Uh, I, I don't know. But there has to be something other than, and if it's not Rob Stone, God help us. Right. It better be Rob Stone. You are right on that. Like if it's not Rob Stone, with all due respect to everybody else, they put in that play by play booth. It's not it. Oh. Yeah, let's hope not. Uh, he is Phil Brylow at Bruce City Bowling. Uh, Dwight Albright uh, at Dewey 300. I am Steve Sparky Fiverr, 1250 AM, the Phantom Milwaukee. Follow us at Sparky Radio there. And don't forget, Odyssey app. Listen to the Spare Time Bowling Show each week uh, or wherever you download your favorite podcast. And, of course, on the Odyssey uh, YouTube, uh, Odyssey Sports YouTube page uh, as well. Thanks for tuning in. That was our first live streaming 
Uh, Spare Time Bowling Show. It was a lot of fun. Tell everybody, tell your family, tell your friends. If you're looking for some PBA bowling coverage, and who isn't at this point, uh, feel free. Check it out and let us know what you think. You can tweet, uh, like I said, at Phil or at Dwight or at myself. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. And uh, remember, we all love. We all love him. Rob Stone. Mm Mm-hmm.